Hey guys and girls, and welcome to uh, this episode of The Finnovator with me, Stuart Bell. Uh, today's has got a bit of a backstory. Um, if you know Naomi Christopher and you spent time with her, you'll know uh, firstly that she is one of the nicest people you'll speak to. Uh, but secondly, how much of an expert when it, she is when it comes to marketing, in particular digital marketing. And uh, this session I ran with her, which is actually a live recording from one of our two-day accelerator events that I run with uh, program members, um, is, is I think illustrative of how easily she was able to talk about digital marketing, principles, what to do, what not to do, but more importantly, to do it in the context of advice. A really great conversation that myself and those who attended will tell you how useful it was. Uh, but the interesting thing is I, there's a, I went to, had the opportunity to go to San Francisco uh, on behalf of uh, Implemented Portfolio, Santi Burridge. Thank you so much for inviting me. There's a story behind that as well, who Naomi now works with. And it's interesting. I, uh, on, we were there. We saw some great tech startups. Uh, we had the opportunity to go and t- you know, tour various different facilities and really understand what, how it works over there in terms of uh, financial tech and fintech and all the rest of it. But I remember being at a bar in San Francisco. Uh, the cocktails were flowing sweetly, and I turned to her in a moment and said, uh, Naomi, you're a bit of a marketing expert, and can you just give me one bit of advice? What should I do better when it comes to marketing our dairy? And she just looked me dead in the eye and said, change the goddamn name. Um, and of course, I then explained to her why I couldn't change the name and how it meant so much to me. And she said, well, you need to tell the story about how it came about and what it means, uh, which is, by the way, to dare and to, to go boldly and to do things differently. Uh, but to that day, I just remembered so clearly how she was able to cut through and say the thing that maybe um, maybe I needed to hear at that point in time. As I said, I loved having Naomi at the Accelerator. She was just uh, an absolute wealth of knowledge. She's so much fun to be around as well. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this recording where we talk about everything from being genuine online and, and the great, uh, I guess, irony of trying to be genuine. We talk about the advice message. We talk about how the proposition can be difficult to get across and what to do about it as well as everything from you know, medium, regularity, and a bunch more. It's a re- this was a really, really good session. I came off the back of this completely buzzing, and I hope you will too. Uh, if you're someone who's looking at marketing or you've been doing it a while, and you're looking for that extra bit that's going to sort of tweak it a bit, because as you know, marketing is one of those things that you can never master, and you can always get better at. I think this session is really going to be useful. So I'm going to hand over to Naomi, live from our two-day event, where she's going to talk about digital marketing, What I, a session which I privately call Change the Goddamn Name. Uh, our speaker today has journeyed through uh, fog, uh, cancel flights, but she's here, and I wanted to come up. So I want to give you a background as to why I was so excited. When we sat down and, and put together a workshop on digital, I wanted to bring somebody who could talk really genuinely and effectively about what digital is and advice. And we made a short list. And there was kind of a name at the top of it, Naomi's. And then there was a big, big gap between the rest of it, the rest of it. And I gave her a call and I was really surprised because Justin and the team at Midwinter are usually pretty protective. But she said, oh, look, I'll ask and see what happens. And they turned around and said, yes. I'm going to come and talk to you about brand and digital and all things important. You might wonder about the name, right? No? No, but well, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to assume that you said yes to that and tell you anyway. So I was in San Francisco. I was over there with uh, the Implemented Portfolios Thought Leadership Tour. And we we're having cocktails. And I turned to Naomi and said, you're a bit of a you know, marketing guru. You work with a lot of businesses. You work with a lot of branding. 
you know, what was the best marketing advice you'd give me about my business? And she looked me straight in the eyes and said, change the goddamn name. <laughs> How dare I? And I was like, it was, it was, and she was spot on. It was like, what the hell is an How dare I anyway? It doesn't, can't even say it right. And I said, I can't, I can't, it's, I'm, I'm invested in it. And I told her the reason why. I told her because it was, uh, I like the, the meaning of it, which is to do things differently, to boldly journey forward, to dare. And I told her the story about you know how it came because I was running out of names from the business and there on my, my wall was my football team with the motto, Adarius Fakere. And she said, well, you need to tell the story. And really, out of everything I've learned from Naomi and all she's done, in her, the way she presents herself, the way she presents a brand, is that that's the essence of it. It's really about understanding that a brand is about a story. And in doing so, you kind of look into uh, <laughs> a little bit of you know what Naomi's done, who she's worked with, the awards she's got, and you realize that it's not just about the story. It's about you build up an incredible amount of trust in the people you work with. Uh, you will be hard pushed to find anybody in the industry who won't firstly tell you how amazing Naomi is at what she does, but secondly... Um, you know, that hasn't been touched or helped in some way by people to get their digital branding right. Not, we can talk about Midwinter, but then we can talk about XY Advisor and we can talk about the work you've done in the FA. So you've had your, your finger in more pies than somebody who makes a lot of pies, right? Yeah, workaholic. <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of look into some of the, the, the feedback that you get from people out there and some of the awards and you realize that you're somebody who just quietly gets on with it and just is really very good at that particular side of things. So... I want to start by, please put your hands together and give a big warm welcome to Naomi. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's awesome to be here and I am sorry that it was, a, was quite a journey here, but I'm here within 10 minutes of, of starting, so that's amazing. And look, thanks for being here because I know, you know, when <laughs> actually, because you were, they weren't going to have you on until the 12.20 flight. Mm, and here you mm. go. Here, here's Brownie. <laughs> she phones up Jester and actually talks her way onto an earlier flight, which I think is, is pretty impressive in its own because I don't normally do that. <laughs> So, so far, we've, we've covered off a whole bunch of stuff. We've covered off on digital marketing. We've covered off on branding. We've covered off on how sort of digital difference. So, we've sort of made a, a bunch of topics. And I thought we'd just jump in and start talking about this. And if anybody's got awesome. any questions, I'm going to sort of uh, do roving my... And this is kind of an interactive thing. But I, I wonder if we could talk about social media and trust to begin with. Sure. What is it, what is it about... Um, you know, what do you see in the way that most financial services businesses market on social media and how they kind of get the purpose of it or, or the intent of it wrong. What's, what's your view on it? Um, look, I think financial advice, especially uh, post-Royal Commission, but I, I would say bef <laughs> way before it, um, always uh, would have it, is going to have a difficult time trying to convince um, the public because you're asking, essentially, there's this paradigm of asking for money to make people money. And so people that have no experience with financial advice at all uh, uh, will, will look at that and think, like, I, I guess maybe dodgy, scam. They don't understand the value behind it because I think advisors are still struggling to, instead of be selling their services digitally, yeah. um, they're sort of we're still using these um, buzzwords like generate yeah. wealth, manage your cash flow, and 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 to the average mum and dad, um, you're not invoking an emotion. You're not uh, resonating with maybe a particular goal that they have in mind. So when you're 
uh, especially when you're on social media, when you're trying to market your services on social media, you have probably between one and three seconds to grab someone who's scrolling through their feed. As you guys know, I mean, if you're, if you have Facebook, if you've got Twitter, if you've got Instagram, you know how fast your thumb's going. Um, what makes it stop? So in order to make it stop quickly, you've got to uh, resonate immediately. Um, with with the person that's 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 looking at it and often with financial advice i think we get too caught up in in the lingo and not enough in the um in the emotional or social impact of of advice you know what can we take it back I, yeah I sorry I, I may have gone down around no, 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 I actually, <laughs> what i wanted to ask actually first is you've been with midwinter a while now yeah and you years. kind of it's like a it's a you're very you're almost like you're the brand manager you're the very much the facebook can mm-hmm. you give us a bit of the history of how you got into doing what you do is it something you always wanted to do and how did you end up in financial services? Um, sure. Uh, interesting path into financial services. I was doing a double major degree in um, English literature, creative writing and communications, and uh, on the other side, uh, social and cultural analysis. Um, I didn't know at that time what I wanted to do with it. All I knew is that I loved writing and content, and on the other side, I loved uh, learning how human beings interact with each other. Um, and that happened right at the time social media was coming out. Like Facebook came out 2007, I think, around that time. Live Journal and MySpace were a bit before then. No one knew how we were, they were going to be used in business, but it was a really good point while I was studying to sort of go, hey, social media actually fits right into this. Um, and then I got tapped on the shoulder uh, by, by someone who said, hey, I know you've never worked in finance, but I think we want you to come and work it was fund manager research, actually, of everything. Um, we want you to come and work for us. And I was like, oh, I could never do that. It's too boring. And he said, no, that's why we need you. We need someone that isn't in the industry to understand, um, to, to tell us what you think from the outside and then help us market back to those people. Because, uh, and, and that's kind of the journey into financial services. Obviously, a couple, five years after that, um, Julian Plummer from Midwinter approached me and basically said, hey, do you want to do some crazy shit? <laughs> and I said, yes, that sounds good. <laughs> Sorry for the swearing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, he was like, let's do something in this industry that no one's done. And no one in the financial planning space was doing anything with social media. Uh, outstanding. They were just sort of doing the same uh, product update, enhancement. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to create a community. So what do you, why, just on that topic of people doing things amazing, because you look into other industries, mm-hmm. and I imagine you probably look into a lot of different areas, yep. and they seem to be very progressed on that in terms of yes. funnels, oh, yeah. in terms of audience building. Why, in your experience, has our business been either, our industry been slow to catch up or risk-averse to actually doing anything about it? Uh, t- uh, in, t- oh, in terms of actually like doing the digital marketing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I- I've got a couple of theories. I, I think one of them is just that, um, as, um, as financial advisors, you are numbers people and really good at it, obviously. Um, and social media is one of those things that, uh, you want to get firm data out of it immediately. And often the ROI isn't immediate. And so I think a lot of people start it, don't get an instant ROI and then give it up. Okay. Um, I would, I don't think people have been completely ignoring it. I think they sort of dabble and go, I haven't had an instant result. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to leave it at, or I'll be complacent and I'll post every three months or, you know. 
So um, I actually would really interested to know what's your view on the difference between a social media strategy and a content marketing strategy? Is that overlap? Is one very different from the other, or are they part of the same thing? Um, oh, there's definitely overlap. I would say I would say uh, if you were if you were looking to do it, you'd be doing you'd be two two separate things. So I overheard in the feedback that there was someone um, managing their content strategy down the back here. Yes, handed an assignment. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, I, I tell people when they're doing their content strategy, ex- really similar stuff to what you do. Sit down and write 50 ideas straight away. Okay. That's one idea for, for every year. But your social media strategy is a bit different because content is about providing something valuable for your client. Social media is about creating a community and a conversation. Um, so, yeah, the two can work hand in hand, but their purpose is different. Okay, so... You're pretty prolific with this stuff, right? How, how, how much would you say you produce in terms of posting or articles? I have no idea, but it's, you know, it's all day, every day. Yeah. And how important is it, do you think, for advice businesses nowadays to, to start getting into a habit of doing this? Um, I think it's incredibly important, especially the content size, because, I mean, we've got this ongoing thing. There's 20% of Australians receiving financial advice. That's 80% of people that just need financial literacy because they either don't think advice is valuable, which means they don't understand it, or uh, they're unengaged with their finances completely. So content for me would come first, um, but the social media is the platform to post it. Right. So so that's why they work hand in hand. Um, I definitely think the time is now, especially uh, considering a lot of the new fintechs that are coming up um, in the payments section, yeah. like yeah, I'm not going to name them, but um, but there is there is a lot of negative uh, habits being, I suppose, um, bred in, in into the next generation of of wealth, um, and it would be really good for someone to come out with a positive message of how to manage their money, rather than treating themselves all the time. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think the time is now. So um, by the way, if you've got any questions, please shoot them through. Ruben, I'll ask this one while I'm heading over there, but. What is like our industry is really good at broadcasting information to people, mm-hmm. but on social media, people aren't really interested in information as much, are they? Yes. So let's talk a bit about that. Okay. Um, I would I would say not just in our industry, but across every industry, the the value uh, the valuable content and content that people are going to click on has to meet three points. You might have actually heard this before. I don't know if I've heard this from you. It'll be funny if I have. Yeah, it's somewhere across the line. I feel like we've had this conversation before. Um, one of it, one of them, and I tell this to people all the time, uh, make sure that it invokes an emotion. And that, I don't mean like you have to make the person cry or you have to, um, <laughs> or you have to, you know, be viral and shocking. Uh, it means, so the, it's relatable. So someone can say, oh, yeah, me too. Actually, does money keep you up at night? Yes, actually it does. I'll click on that. Um, empathy. So that's the first one. The second one um, is it provokes discussion. If it's something that there might be two sides of the story on or if it's something that will start a conversation at barbecues or if there's you know, something that will make someone comment on that, actually, I disagree with that. Don't be scared of it. That's good. That means people are going, hey, I'm engaged with that. The third thing would be something that's shareable. So you're writing something that's valuable enough that people are forwarding it to other people, that people are sharing it on their own pages because they're saying, hey, I, I read this and this changed my life or this changed my week or I, I, I started this new spending. I mean, this is, 
you're probably all familiar with like the barefoot investor. And, and if I say it, you'll all be like, eh. But the reason his stuff goes viral is because he has a way with his content of making it shareable. So it's something that people, sorry, I'm, oh, that's finally working. It's something that people will, um, will share with, with, with each other. And I think financial advice, we're not, well, some, some people are doing it really well, but as an industry as a whole, we haven't developed content that resonates or empathizes enough to make people share virally, emotionally connect and, um, and provoke discussion. But, but, you know, like I said, it's not everyone, but people, there are people making moves, but I don't think, yeah, there's a whole industry we've moved there yet. Yeah, one of the challenges I've found is um, is that engagement and you know putting posts out there is fine, but actually provoking and getting discussion, getting engagement, I've found to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've talked about a couple of big personalities that have managed to do that well, but how many sort of financial advice firms have really been able to do that? It strikes me that it's a it's a difficult topic uh, to get people discussing. It's true. Um, I think a lot, like a lot of the time it comes down to some of the language we're used to. We're used to financial advice language because we're in this industry. If we say TTR, SOA, trans, you know, um, gen- generating wealth, peace of mind. Uh, uh, what's, the, what's the other one that holistic I Holistic advice. Yeah, holistic goals-based advice. The public doesn't resonate with that. Um, uh, a classic example of something I did with someone once, <laughs> an advisor, um, he w- wrote this piece about making extra contributions to super um, and he was aiming it at millennials who may feel fearful that they couldn't save for a house. And the way that he had titled it and used the language uh, was so technical that even though what he was saying was super valuable, like, hey, guys, you may not have the money for a house at the moment, but if you start making extra contributions to your super now, at least you're doing something, basically was the message. Um, so I worked with him and like I can't remember the title. But it was something. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, take the superannuation out of it and pick something really crazy that's going to make people click on it. And he goes like, what? And I was like, maybe just make it why you don't need to buy a house. And he was like, oh, I could never do that. And I was like, just make the title Why You Don't Need to Buy a Property. And, and he was like, oh, but, the, you know, I'll get people commenting saying what rubbish. I'll get people. And I'm like, great, perfect. You don't have to be right 100% of the time. He's, he has this opinion. I mean, interestingly, six months down the track, he released a super fund. So he obviously had his reasons why he was doing it. But at the time, I didn't know that. Um, uh, so he put, this, he put this little blog out why you don't need property. And, um, and it went so viral, news.com.au grabbed it and just put it straight on the front page because uh, everyone's going to click on that because everyone's got the fear of uh, millennials. Oh, I can't afford a house. Tell me that I don't need one. Whether it was correct advice or, or not in that instance um, is, is, you know, is not up to me. But I think you've got to start picking language or picking phrases that people will really go, yeah, that's about me. Like, yeah, that, you know, um, <laughs> are you treating yourself too much? Like, do you need to get your financial crap sorted? Like that kind of stuff for the next generation of wealth. Yeah. Um, you know, that stuff they'll click on versus, you know, uh, recently, for example, I've seen, I saw a post and it's like, are you 45, 55 or 65? If you are, and then blah, 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 for four paragraphs, they've already scrolled past. It's interesting because you see yeah. sometimes the best information, but the structure's wrong. 
That's it. And it gets four. And then you see this information, which is so generic and so yeah. basic, but the structure is completely right. Yeah. So it gets payback. Yeah, that's it. Let me ask you, I've been wanting to ask this conversation, have this discussion. Can we talk about authenticity? Sure. Has anybody, <laughs> has anybody had that experience of being told, you need to be authentic on social media? Be really authentic. Or you may have seen like some of the gurus talking about being your authentic self, yeah. perhaps. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff uh, that goes out about be be authentic on social media, be genuine. And then you've got other people who are trying really hard to be authentic, which is weird to me because if you're trying to be authentic, by definition, isn't that... Yeah. But if we break really. it down, you're really good at taking a question and just giving really simple answers. <laughs> what are they, what, When people talk about being authentic because mm-hmm. it gets results or, or it gets connections or it builds an audience, what are they actually talking about? Um, I think the problem uh, with with that message, that and, and it actually upsets me because I can see people following it because people tell them to do it, but uh, they put too much focus on be your authentic self. And so people think straight away it's about you and then you get a million selfies of guys in Maseratis, um, I'm on my way to work or I'm at the Qantas lounge with my glass of wine and they think they're being authentic, right? And their clients are like, ew, like, yeah, right? <laughs> because our idea of, um, of wealth and the connotations around that um, now compared to maybe 20 years ago are very different. Uh, the tech industry has brought in this sort of humility around wealth, living yeah. simply, uh, so, yeah, the problem with the authentic is there's probably too much focus on being personal but not your actual self yeah. um, rather than um, rather than pick – what I say to people, it's really weird, I got this in hairdressing, but be friendly, not familiar. Um, you, just, just because you're your authentic self doesn't mean you have to be your whole self. You don't have to show everyone everything. Being authentic doesn't mean when your client comes in saying, hey, I had a fight with my wife this morning. Like, it just means what you choose to share. Make sure that's really you. Like, if you're really into triathlon, triathlons, you could, sh- and you feel comfortable sharing that with your clients, show them your journey and your training and stuff like that. Cause then they see you as a human. Um, the worst advice I could give is people trying too hard to be someone like a million selfies with coffees, like grind, like wake and bake it, like, like, it, like and they're really, really putting it on. You can tell. And, you, you, and you're looking at the photos and you're going, ugh. It's not about trying to put on a persona. It's just letting, picking a few things in your life that lets your clients know that you're human. You know, sometimes it might be that you've just had a baby. And you want to show, you know, this is my family. Uh, it doesn't have to be um, flashy, here I am on a yacht. Like, yeah. Or if you're pissed off about something, record a video that you're <sighs> pissed off. And if you swear, if you say shit a lot, then record a video where you're saying shit a lot. Yeah. Uh, if you are genuinely, you stuffed up and you want to share how it makes you feel, then then share that. You know, if, if, if it's raining and you got absolutely wet through and you know you've got to go to a meeting and you know you're wet through then that's the kind of stuff that gives you people an insight into what's actually going on as opposed to hey it's friday and you know we're drinking moe in the boardroom yeah yeah and like you know yeah and always looking like you're super busy like i think that one's another one that people think is really authentic but it comes across really wanky there was a there's a guy (laughs) but it does yeah. There was a guy a while ago who was a, a trader um, and he posted a photo. He was all dressed up. He says, even 
though I'm not coming, even though I'm coming to the office, I'm not seeing clients. I still get dressed up in a suit because I think it's the mindset. And everybody looks at it. I saw it and I went, that's the Shangri-La. Yeah. And he, what he'd done is he got up in the morning, taking a photo of himself in the hotel room and pretend it was his office with the, uh, with the, with the opera house in the back. So I called it, a hundred other people called it, and suddenly this guy has gone from being, you know, believable to, dude, you just got up and took a photo of yourself in the Shangri-La Hotel. Yeah. And that, that's a classic example of, I think, too much focus on self, not enough on the authentic, perhaps. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, I was at a conference and Anton... To, to, for, for, yep, mm-hmm. that's it. From Investors Mutual was mm-hmm. presenting, and he, he's quite excitable. And you know, there was probably three hundred people in the room, and he dropped the f bomb mm-hmm. as he was presenting, mm-hmm. and everyone laughed. It, it was quite funny, but then he took that as a cue to keep going. To keep going, and by the end, everyone was crying because he just kept. He knew he was on a roll, and he he was being. That's just Anton. He's very excitable and it was fantastic. Um, I just gave that as an example. My question though is, you know, where you say, okay, only 20% of people get advice, mm-hmm. there's another 80. You work in financial services, mm-hmm. how much of that 80 is reachable, is, is really a target? Because most Australians don't like money in terms of talking about it, sharing with other people, uh, their circumstances. Mm. So, yeah, we're, we're not. I, I don't think Australians are good at having uh, that conversation. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. I and, think and we're yeah, a little bit British that way. Other things with other people saying, especially I'm doing vulnerabilities. This, I'm doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, um, that's a yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I wouldn't have the exact numbers. I, I know that all eighty percent need it to some description. I think it it will totally depend on what you decide. Um, as is going to be your future service offering um, because if if you're just going to uh, – depending on – I don't know the people in the room and, and what your service offering is now, uh, but it seems to be the way of the future is moving more into like a financial coaching um, kind of service where it's not just we provide insurance, super switching, transition to retirement investments. It's like, hey, do you need to pay off your credit card? Hey, you want to save for your – holiday, a boat, a child's education or whatever. We're getting more into these goals-based advice. And I think if you can tap into whatever goal this particular person, all of those members of the public have, they'll they'll come and get the advice if they know that it will work, um, if they have the value in it. But whether everyone's going to be marketable to the whole holistic <laughs> uh, suite. What do you think about the idea, I mean, I'm, I'm a great believer that peer groups have a lot of influence on what people do. Yes. And if you're in a peer group where money is a topic and planning for money, which, you know, there are peer groups like that, mm-hmm. then you're more likely to want to do it with other people. Is there a point where you can educate using social media peer groups as to this is what certain types Thank of people you. do and certain type of people don't? Do you think that's a, that's a, that's a possible solution to the 80% who don't? Yeah. So, I, I mean, with the 80%, there's going to be a lot of, um, people especially i mean i'm i'm 32 but uh, b- between 25 and 35 that you might not want yet depending on what your client your, what your offering is because they're just not at that point where they have uh, I, I suppose the investments to the money to do that however if you can offer a low touch high scalable solution 
uh, which, which you know, they're like, um, I don't know if you know, if you've heard of Adele, but Adele's doing amazing stuff in this space yeah. um, where she has a Facebook group and people pay to be a part of this program online, like a community online together where they're all focused on, um, and they're all millennials focused on a sort of, I guess, not, not get rich quick, but just focused on getting, getting to a good place by a good time. And the community has fostered the success of that group. It costs her next to nothing to run because mm-hmm. they're all really helping each other. Um, but she's sort of the guru that sits on the top and slides the content in. Works really well. Very little work. Yeah, Seth Godin. Yeah. Uh, Ruben, you keep talking about Seth. Seth Godin's got some great content around becoming the leader of a movement, a community, uh, which is a you know a great way of approaching it. And, and he talked. I think his book Tribes is a great yeah. one to pull out. And Seth is just, he's, he's another one who can just express these really complex ideas simply and it makes you go, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Mm. Yep. Who do you see doing the kind of social media community conversation part well, both here in Australia and overseas? And what do you think, what do you like them? In advice? In advice, yeah. Or all financial services. Oh, in financial services in general? Okay. Um, there's a few people uh, doing it really. I mean, if, is, if anyone's in the XY advisor group, um, they're doing it well. Yeah. And I can say that safely because I started that group. No, <laughs> um, no um, they're doing it well. They're, they're really great because they have the time to put into that community. Plus, they let that community run itself. So, you're the why, right? Is, is that the, that's the generation, not the chromosome. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, uh, they're doing it really well. Uh, Adele uh, Martin is doing it really well as well. Um, uh, who I see doing a really good job across the board is Fox and Hare. Um, have, have you guys seen their stuff? If I could get like, if you, got, if you pull their website out now, Makes me want to get financial advice immediately. There's a girl with a hand out the window and a leather jacket, like, um, of a car, like just driving along a bridge. Um, then they've got like, you know, people on holidays surfing. Like they've really, uh, nailed down their niche, which is, you know, the 25 to 35, um, age bracket. And their, their Facebook posts, their content is so so on the money when it comes to resonating. Like I actually screenshotted one of their posts recently. I was going to get it up um, and I was like, financial advice isn't just for old rich people. Like that's literally how they opened it up. But that made me stop and look. Um, so yeah. I've got one from Adele. I'll share it. Similar sort of yeah. thing. Great post. And it's interesting. If you check out Fox and Hair, they do not care yeah. if you don't like them. They came out with something just today and I looked at it and went, you know what? I don't agree with that and I don't like them for saying it. But mm. They will turn around and say the problem with the industry is there's too many 50-year-old planners focusing on wealthy 50-year-old guys. Now, their purpose is not to get us on side. It's to connect with what their audience believe. And their audience in particular do believe that thing. And they're very good at, we don't care what we're going to say, we're just going to talk to the 15% and and stuff the rest of you. Mm. And the way that they've even marketed their services, like if go to Fox and Hare to the website and take a look, the, the wording they've used is so perfect for their demo. They've really nailed down the marketing because they, they're not, you wouldn't, you don't see the word SOA anywhere on that, in that whole website. You don't see the word transition to retirement. You don't see super switching. You don't see any of that. Yeah, none of that. Another couple, have you heard of the financial diet? Yeah, I have, yes. They're really good. Uh, again, not coming from a, uh, an S, uh, advice places piece, but they're all about money. Mr. Money Mustache. Yeah. He's also very good. Uh, Ramit Sethi. 
in the US, I, I want you to be rich or I will teach you to be rich. Mm. There's a blog he writes called What's, uh, Why Most Financial Experts' Advice is Worthless. And he talks a lot about marketing stuff. And you may not like Ramit's, Ramit's style. He's very brash. He's very um, aggressive. But he gets cut through and he's yeah. very active on this stuff. Yeah. Well, I went to FinCon last year, which is basically social media and content and podcasts for the US. And it's insane because it's like one of our conferences times five million. Um, and there were so many people doing it well. But the but their approach is very different to ours because their legislation is far less um, – I'm going to be very careful with the word cookies for that. They, they have far less legislation than we have. They don't have someone like looking. So they can do a lot of this really spooky personal finance stuff and get away with it without having to follow any compliance. So it's an easier road for them than it would be for us, especially considering the marketing rules around RG234 and all that. Should we talk about branding? Sure. Okay, because you're pretty good at this. So can we talk about, um, you know, when it comes to brand, who's heard the phrase, you know, get your brand, tell a story, get your brand story out there? A few different people have heard that. How do you actually tell a story? What does it actually mean to sit down and go, what's my story? And then once you've got your story, Patricia, I think you're asking about this, to actually take it from, okay, I, I got a story to you turn it into a marketing and branding and all that sort of stuff. Would you mind talking a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's... Um the first part, which is, you know, what, what finding out what your story is, um, it is usually the easy part because you, you're really excited by your own story because you know it and you've lived it and you've experienced it. I usually what I tell people to do once they, they, they get that sort of is, um, is to pull out the parts that they know other people will resonate with and, and then cut, cut them into that. And that becomes your story. Uh, with midwinter, um, everyone asks why we're, we're called Midwinter. Everyone. They're like, has nothing to do with software. I'm like, yes, but here is a story. And um, uh, our, our three directors are all uh, actual computer geeks. And our founder, uh, Julian, was obsessed with this video game um, when he was a child uh, called Midwinter. And he didn't have the computer to play it and his dad wouldn't get it for him so he built the computer himself so he could play this game so then when he came to build the software he was building the software that he didn't that didn't exist but until I came along nobody knew that story and everyone would always go it doesn't mean anything so I was like right guys we have to tell that story but we have to tell the parts that people are going to either laugh at or resonate with don't tell the 20 minute version that you know and then I did this and then I did that like Keep the parts that you know are going to evoke emotion in others and make people go, me too. Every, there's so many people in small business now, and whether you're, part, you're, you're in a small business too, if you want to tell that journey of your business, um, there, there'll be parts that everyone resonates with, especially the vulnerable bits um, and, the, and the entertaining bits. The funny bits, I think, are always good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so once you get into that point, pick the best parts. I mean, you've done it really well now with… Um, with your help. With Odari is, uh, I was like, you need to put that on the front yeah page of your website like when people get there they need to know straight away what that word means because then they're going to know what you're about straight away to dare right yes exactly. so you know you, if you can if you can silo your story into the things that resonates people even come up with three maybe three words um i think we've i, I did that with you as well <laughs> uh and and focus on those um then then you got a winner 
Perfect. Who in the room has got sort of sliding door story? Some story along the way that would indicate why their business is the way it is, why they named it that way, and something that sort of would resonate as, you know, a story which has got a bit of you in it. Who's got something around that line? Nobody. Hmm? You or why, you, why you decided to become an advisor? Share? <laughs> Infinity. Uh, this is a story about how I got into stockbroking. Right. Uh, how long have we got? Three minutes. I was a paper boy at the age of 10. I, was, uh, I made $10 a week. I put five of that through a pinball machine, a bank five. I uh, had my money in the Newcastle Permanent Building Society. I was pissed off at only getting 9.5% uh, interest rate. I was selling papers, afternoon papers. Uh, one of the old bowlers came in and said, Andrew, I see you're selling the sun and the mirror and you're just reading the sport and comics. How about you do something useful for yourself? And uh, read the stock market pages. I said, right, okay. He said, uh, well, let's follow a few stocks. Got it, okay. Uh, what stocks are we going to follow? Uh, he said, do you like lollies? I said, Reg, I'm 11. He said, right, let's follow Allens. He said, do you work at, no, uh, anyone that works at BHP? Half of Newcastle worked at BHP. So, right, let's follow those two stocks. And so, in short, I, um, uh, after a very small period of time, I, uh, I took all my money out of the, the Newcastle Permanent and bought some BHP shares. And I think, I think the age, I was about 12 by that stage. And then, um, Moved on to, uh, I think I was in year nine, and then um, the um, uh, the mantra in the New South Wales education system at the time was that the world's going to run out of fossil fuels by the year 2000. At the time, oil has plunged to US $10 a barrel. So my year nine logic, teachers are always right, is that oil has to go up if in seven years' time there's going to be no more oil. So I, um, I found the man, sold my BHP shares and bought an oil stock, and of course all oil stocks were on the bones of their ass, and that's how it all started. Time's up. Beautiful. So that, that's amazing, right? In, and you could say, you, so that was like, blah, 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 and awesome to have got it in that time. And if you wanted to do something on your website to say about us or about our story, you could literally say, My love of lollies, like any other 11 year old, led me to buy stocks at this age, um, early interest in investing, um, a little bit in the middle about the oil if you wanted to and then and then <laughs> and here I am today um and you've got people straight away because you've told a little story about you as a kid that's kind of funny but also like really cool um I don't know any other child <laughs> that's bought stocks <laughs> right and then and people you know people aren't, aren't only saying that's funny that's cool they're saying this guy really likes what he does yeah, like this guy lives and breathes that. I want him to manage my money. And he did it in one breath as well, which is impressive. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Every, every single person in this room has a story like that. Yeah. And it relates back to what you did before the business. It relates to something that happened, the way you give advice, the reason you're in business together, uh, the journey you've been on to develop the business to where it is, all of that stuff. And if you can find that story and start telling it and telling it more, and telling it more succinctly in one breath, it turns into a it turns into a marketing campaign. Yeah, right? that's it. You find the bits that you think other people will resonate with, and then they usually end up being your strengths as well. Marketing financial service on Instagram. Where do we? What do we think? Uh, look, some people do it really well. A lot of people. Uh, it's not that they do it badly. It's that that's boring. I don't want to read finance quotes every morning like the, the same Warren. Like Buffett quotes, it, like, and I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, like, how prolific, uh, you know? And and people are the people are the same. Oh, 
you know? Yeah. Warren Buffett's smart, but he's not he's not sexy smart. Yeah, you gotta make money sexy, really, in a way, because people the the problem is like I said, most of the time you're not just convincing them that advice that they need advice, but you're actually convincing them to be engaged with their money in the first place. So there's two steps. There's, um, yeah. there's one or two things that we can talk about now. We can talk about testimonials and social proof. Uh-huh. Or we can talk about the last thing bought online. Oh, oh, okay. Which one do you want to do? Oh, which one do you want to do? Well, one's, one's kind of interactive. Yeah. But the other one's about... And I think testimonials and social proof is, a, is an important topic. Do you want to start with that one and then we'll dive into the... Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. So, a lot of advisors, you, 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 we keep talking about the value of social proof, of having your clients... On your website, I think Zoraida, you said, once I get the testimonials, what do I do with it then? Can you talk a bit about your view on the value of testimonials, how to collect them, and what to do with them once you've got them to turn them into you know, audience results and that sort of thing? 100%. Um, I, I really, value of testimonials, I think, is pretty much everything now because we are a testimonial-based society. If you book a hotel, you are reading the Star Review straight away. Like, it, I went to Bali a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it took me... Three weeks to try and work out where I was staying because I wanted to read what, oh, no, that had a problem with that pool. Oh, this had a bar here. You want to read everything based on what other people who have stayed there, right? And it's the same with anything, hairdressing. Where I, where I go to get my nails, I'll check the Google reviews. Like absolutely everything we do, we want to see first that someone else has approved that. Or if we're comparing something, we want to see that one was better than the other from other people that have actually gone through that service. So I, I think it's the most important thing of all. Um, where that goes in the marketing and testimonial, um, where that goes down that line for advice is uh, you have to, in the beginning, I say slowly, slowly, and then all at once. So in the beginning, if you're not, if you're not used to getting testimonials or asking for testimonials, obviously you give them a kick-ass service and it's absolutely amazing. Um, and you can even automate that process where they just get a follow-up email saying, hey, did you find this valuable? Would you mind filling out this? Or And it's like one little comment section or might even be a survey or a star rating or something really simple. You'll find people will do it without having to be hugely incentivized. Um, aside from that, what I think is even more important is actually um, creating a few raving fans. Mm. And you get those people um, just when you give – like, you know, there's some people and you do like – just an amazing uh, and you probably you treat all your clients the same obviously but there's some people that are like oh my god you've changed my whole life oh you know a, a classic example i had um i was talking to uh, james o'reilly from um, verse wealth and he said he had a client that he convinced he really pushed for him to get insurance and he didn't want to get it and six months later he had a heart attack and he was off work for like eight months and he was just like james like if it wasn't for you telling me to do that like i would i'd, I'd be destitute right now um, and I was like, James, get him to write that story, mm. then post it on social media. Like, obviously, you have to ask their permission. Mm. You get a few raving fans, and it actually just starts to feed itself. Um, you know, a couple people see uh, anything. Like, I got bought a mattress the other day. I wanted to read the rave reviews about the mattress. Like, I don't just want, oh, yeah, it's okay. Like, I want to be like, this mattress changed my life. Um, <laughs> uh, so... If you can get a few raving fans, just a few, that will spread like it just continues to feed itself. And also, if you if you if you've got a good social media profile, um, those people will be posting straight to your page. Yeah. 
Um, and once you get that, then that's there for life. You don't have to worry about where you're collating it. It's all on your social profiles. That's where people go to find you. Um, I know I've heard a lot of clients uh, really push for the Google review as well, which is which is great, but it can be hard and a manual process. Mm. But if you've got the social media profiles going, it almost just happens. What's what's a good way to ask? Have you seen like to go out to a client who's saying nice things and say, yeah. would you mind giving me this or giving me that? What's a, What have you found a good way to just ask for it? I, I think timing's a good thing. So if you're asking while they're still really happy, um, like right, right, right after something, like if you ask someone six months after they've seen you, their emotions towards that um, have died down. But if you, if you if post seeing someone, that's why I was like, the automated email is always good. But if you're going to ask in person, I always like to say the thing, do you mind doing me a favor? Mm. Do you mind doing me a favor? I have to get reviews or I have to get client reviews for our software all the time. And it's, I always, Brett, do you mind doing me a favor? I need this. It's 50 words. Mm. You love the software. Do you mind doing me a favor? And it usually he's like, yeah. Like, went, sure, no problem. I need a reference. Yeah, no problem. If you're asking people to help you out rather than can I have a, <laughs> a referral, can I have a testimonial, um, they're more likely to go, yeah, because people feel good when they help people. Is yeah. there any particular kind of client to look after? I've read a lot of stuff about super connectors. Yeah. Certain types of clients who are just more likely to uh, connect you with people, refer people. Totally. Can you talk a bit about how do I, you know, what's your view on on picking your picking your advocates? Good. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I know often you're just having the clients that that come through the door, but if um, it, it does seem to be, um, and I and I know I say this from my point of view, but like the the younger generation at the moment that's quite um, active in reviewing stuff online. Um, so, and they don't need a lot of prompt to do it because that's, they just do that automatically. Like, you know, we get an Uber ride, we're like five stars. We, you know, it's, it's, it's inbuilt into who we are now that to just review everything. Um, so I would say, uh, if you're looking to get it on social media, that there are great, great people to focus on. I mean, obviously influencers, people that, um, uh, you know, if, if your focus is on um, mums and dads and cash flow and things like that, then obviously pick mums and dads that might be in another big group of mums and dads uh, or, you know, uh, where they're going to be talking all together, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Social people. Yeah. If someone's living in a you know cabin on top of the Blue Mountains, never speaks to anybody, probably not going yeah. to endorse you. <laughs> but if it. they're in inner west mums and they know a lot of people and they've introduced you to a whole bunch of people and they're kind of that glue oh that's it well look yeah Catherine Gross says she gets the most referrals from her hairdresser so because she does her hair and then the next person she and did you know my the last client I just had amazing she just does divorces amazing stuff in my divorce and then this woman's going oh my god I've got to use it for my divorce and then the next person comes in and she says the same thing so you know (laughs) I know it's crazy right no but that's what like yeah Catherine Gross does financial advice for divorce I know it sounds painful but she loves it so yeah so if it works it works right is anyone niche in hairdressers and tradies it's a really good niche to be in because tradies have got a real need for help and they often work with hairdressers because it's a really good cash business you're getting my drift here very common combination and yeah. if you, and they need they need help and if you've got hairdressers that are always you know talking behind your back so to speak 100 you know. well i was a hairdresser for eight years so i can i can definitely attest to that <laughs> cool <laughs> should we should we do this exercise about the last thing you bought online yeah, sure yeah let's do it okay cool um I love doing this. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on the kind of uh, appetite you have for buying things online or appetite you have for social media. But um, I want you to think uh, two things, perhaps. Um, 
Well, the first thing is I want you to think about the last thing you bought online and not the last thing you bought online that you actively search for to buy online. The last thing you bought online because you saw a post or an ad or relentlessly saw something and eventually clicked on it. And write it down. And write it down. Write it down. And then maybe underneath it, write whether you needed it or not um, or whether you waited until you needed it to buy it. Is, all, is also another thing. Give you 30 seconds, right? The last thing you bought online, not something you researched, something, not, not something you researched, right? Something, no, not something you were researching to buy. You like, just went, ooh. Like, not something like, oh, I need a new computer, so I'm going to research laptops. Like, the last thing you saw in the feeder went, yeah. Huh? Mine would be AppSumo. I bought Rocket Link. I'm always buying apps on AppSumo. Oh, it was, yeah, actually, that's true. I bought some, <laughs> I bought some tattoo sleeves. You know those tattoo sleeves? <laughs> it was like $2. I was like, yeah, I'm going to come down one morning with those on and see how the kids react. And Hermione was like, oh, Dad, you got a tattoo. You got a tattoo. Oh. And Nate was just like, off, off. <laughs> I can't even remember. Like, even when they were in, they weren't in. Like, you know, <laughs> one of those things. Um, okay. How are we doing? Everyone got their thing. If they, if they, and if they did, if they don't, um, if they don't participate in this behaviour, even better. Um, does anyone want to put their hand up? I was on uh, Facebook and I kept. Uh, I saw this ad a few times over a few weeks, and then eventually I just went, "No, I'm, I'm getting that." And it was, um, it's a selfie stick that moves with you called sm- sm- Smooth. And I thought we need that because we're doing videos in the office. I thought that'd be awesome. Yeah. I should buy that. Yes. So it's a selfie stick, but as you as you move, it's got, it, it's got a gimbal on it, and it moves with you. So yeah. and it's so it steadies. It steadies the camera. Basically, yeah. it moves. You go up and down, and it basically stays where it is. It's very cool. But you know me, I love shit like that. So. So, okay, so so I just went. Yeah, I'm buying that. Was it the first time you saw the ad? No, probably the third. Okay. And and I I just saw. Oh, I like that. And then and what made you like it? What did you? What was the? What did it? What were the words? What was the image? So it was a video of Perfect. someone work, using it, and mm-hmm. I thought, oh, yeah, I can see how that works. Yep. Works really well. Really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Immediate value, straight away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What, do you remember what the words were? No. no it, was more, it was more motion and yeah, vision. You didn't, yeah, that's it. So the, that's what, the emotion, yeah. straight away you could see it works yeah. the way I want it to, yeah. and I need it. Yeah. Done. Okay, any, any other examples, and then we can kind of talk about it a little bit. Who else has gone? Yeah. I bought a T-shirt. Um that was kind of generally a piss take. Nike and it's got athlete on the chest. <laughs> and it's, I'm the least athletic person compared to my brother or any. And I'm just oh, like, so terrible. Oh, it's a bit of a joke? Family so it was joke? Like complete, just something I can post on Instagram. And, and it just know. had the picture of the t-shirt yeah. and no words? Is that, just the athlete? Just athlete. Okay. Um, so emotion evoked was this is going to be a funny joke. Yeah. Um, and you saw the product straight away for what it was. Yeah. First time you saw it and purchased it? Uh, I saw some athletes wear it, so you see oh, okay. it a few times. Okay. It's like the one, okay. the train in it. Okay. Is there anyone that um, purchased anything based on the the words in the ad versus the image or the video? No. Yeah. But but the, this is really good um, because it proves it proves a lot of what I'm going to say, which is um, images and videos are taking over that side of things because they're giving immediate value 
immediate impact. People know exactly what they're getting. The problem that financial planners face is that uh, you can't show perhaps immediately in a picture um, what the value is going to be. But if you pick those visuals or those videos really well, um, like Fox and Hare are doing with theirs, you can sell a better lifestyle or a dream. Um, but it also means that with the words you choose, you have to make an immediate impact. The words become far more significant um, because unlike certain, like certain products, uh, like the last thing I bought, which is funny because I'm in a room full of, <laughs> full of men, is Spanx. <laughs> but it was because there was a woman like putting it on. I was like, yeah, perfect. I need those. Like I'll just grab them. Um, it's straight away because I just saw that, look, done. Then she puts the jeans on. I'm like, oh, she looks great. Done. I see it. With financial advice, we don't have that immediate result. So the words we choose there have to be really important and they have to like that evoked emotion, oh, my brothers will laugh at this or my family will laugh at this for you. I need this. Um, So either people will want to get there, will want to click on your services or know more because you've you've, uh, caused them to feel something or you've caused them to feel that they need something. So that's, that's why I, I, we've, it's, it's harder work. It really is. Mm. Um, but if you think of that every time you try and sort of post something about your services, um, focus less on the features of what you do and more on the impact of those features, um, then, then you're going to get a better result. This morning I was, I, and I only just caught this on the ABC on the news this morning. I don't know if anyone else saw it. But they were talking, a study had obviously only recently been done and it was around uh, advertising. Okay. Right? Advertising on print as opposed to online. And, and basically saying it's now moved the other way in terms of uh, consumers are not trusting what they're seeing online yeah. because of all. It, you know, fake news or whatever it is, and yeah. it's now moving back to print. And it, mm. and it was talking about the papers and and how that they're I guess their advertising spend or, or mm-hmm. is now increasing, going back the other way. Can you have you seen anything like that yourself? Do you see that? Do you think there'll be any structural sh- shifts there? Um, I think uh, the one th- the one I, I see where you're coming from, and I see why people think that. Um, my only issue is that our, the way that we as humans now interact with technology means that for me to go and get the news, to walk all the way to a news agent, pick up a paper or go to a cafe versus waking up and going to Twitter while my eyes are still half open in, you know, that, that behavior is not going to change. I don't think. Um, in fact, I, we know that it's, it's becoming more intrinsic because you can watch it. My 15 month old nephew <laughs> unlock his mum's phone. Um, so, uh, I don't see our human be- from, from an anthropological, anthropological side. I, I don't see our human behavior pivoting back. I understand that there might be like this sort of wave back, like kind of like occasionally we have like these, retro fashions that come back in um but i don't think that we will give up on digital no way i think it will definitely keep going the other way it's too addictive surely i mean it's going that way right <laughs> yeah 100%. they're already identifying that yeah. it's 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 little bursts of dopamine yeah. does anyone yes. own a printer in their house yeah who, who who doesn't yeah in their house yeah no one they're paperless really yeah I know it's crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, it tells you something about the future SOA, I suppose. But... It's like my bank, bank manager turned around and said, can you please fill this out and fax it back? I said, yeah. I'll fax it back no where I live. I said, where do you live? I said, in 2018. <laughs> 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 it's true. I'm like, fax? Who has a fax? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to uh, go through a rebranding exercise soon. Um, and as part of that, uh, I also want to figure out my niche market going forward, how I want to market myself and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, obviously, as a small business owner, we don't have the resources to have a full-time marketing person. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, say, just sitting here and, you know, when he told you the story about as a kid and how you then made that into something really um, you know, marketable. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your advice in terms of where we should invest in to get that profession, like that person that can turn your feelings and your word and your goals into something that you then can market and be excited about because we're not marketers, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, oh, no, totally. And I think it's it's hard as well um, not to get uh, locked in with consultants and then um, they're doing everything all of a sudden and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, um, uh, especially, I suppose, in the branding and marketing space because first they'll do a bit of content and then be like, actually, we can revamp your website. Actually, we can do this. Actually, you know, I can keep doing this. Um, I always say start small and experiment with someone. Um, there are heaps of great people in the market. There are heaps of people that will promise you uh, Australia and deliver Tasmania. That's like, that's not, um, I can't discern. That's not sort of my thing, but um, just, yeah, I would start small, say this, give them one exercise. Maybe if they do that really well, give them another piece um, and work from there. Then when you find someone that you really niche with, then you just continue to offer them work. And once someone really gets to know your brand, it becomes easy work and it's it's fantastic. Is that a, a, more of a graphic designer or a mark? Like what kind of would, professional yeah, would, would you would, A branding consultant. Branding consultant. Branding yeah. consultant. I, I like uh, a graphic designer, you're just going to get someone who can make things pretty yep. most of the time. They might fiddle a bit with the content. But they're not very good at the yeah. brand message, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, branding consultant for sure. And graphic design and just build your website they're they're a commodity and you can access them really cheaply the people who can actually tease out the story and do the strategic work that's a different game yeah i mean obviously naomi's awesome at what she does so anybody she'd put you in contact with but uh you know i think cat long's done a great job for you guys uh, there's a bunch of digital agencies which are really good. Matt Susie Brickwood's- Monroe, I don't know if anyone. Susie's- yeah, Susie's she's great. amazing. Susie Monroe is really good. Just does financial advice. Yeah, she's really good. Um, Jenny Pierce. She wrote that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. they've locked me up. Like, Um, but but (laughs) uh, uh, but at the same time, like, I would always be. If anyone wanted to have a coffee and just pick my brain, of course I can do that. Um, I just can't provide officially any consulting services. Susie's great. She wrote an article recently I shared with you guys called. um, I think it was something around basically stop, stop. Yeah, that's fantastic. She. She's very well connected. She once shared an article of mine that got on Kitsis and we ended up with a hu- like hundreds of leads, thousands of leads from, from the US. Yeah. Um, completely forgot what I was going to say. But should we talk about common mistakes? Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. So we had a little exercise we could do because I want to dive deep on the mistakes that you commonly see. And one of the topics we were going to talk about is why do spruikers do it so well and yet you go and look on financial planning websites, etc. and it's, the proposition's so weak 
and I don't mean that in a nasty way. I mean, it's like spruikers are like, come here in one hour, we're going to make you rich and change your life and all the rest of it. But you go to financial service and we just don't have it. But I was wondering if we want to talk about that first or do we want to play buzzword bingo? Um, oh, buzzword bingo is probably part of that because uh, I think that's the one thing probably that we're getting wrong is that um, before you before people get financial planning, you have to make them care first um, and they won't care if they don't resonate with the words that you're using. A lot of the buzzwords we use just, and I've mentioned that before, um, just don't resonate with the, with the public. So maybe that's part. Should, should yeah? we just dive, should we dive into the buzzword and then yeah. we can talk about them? So you haven't seen this yet. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. Let's um, ignore that for a second. Who's got access to the internet? Yeah, it is a trend. So how about each of you open up, open up your website on your phone? Open up your website. There's also a page on here. And what I want you to have a look at the list I give you. And I want you to kind of write up or mark off the ones or write them in the boxes, the ones that you have on your website. Now, you haven't seen this, so you no, may... I've, I'll enjoy this. You actually. may turn around to me and go, gee, that's not a buzzword, in which case uh, I'll, I'll get back in my box. But oh yeah, no. here we've got some, and I want you to note down, we've got across the top, wealth, needs free meeting, should, you should, you must, you need to, you have to, holistic, first appointment. I hate that one, because what, what comes next? Do it on the front page. Peace of mind, retirement talked about the R word. Yeah. Lifestyle goals, fact, fact find, need, mm. needs, needs analysis, analysis I risk, budget, yeah. comprehensive, one-stop shop, handhold, we will handhold you, yeah. we'll hold your hand. Uh, dreams come true, risk profile, compliant, full service, necessary. Are they all, so how are we doing? It's not, it's not necessarily that these are bad words, we just want to talk about the difference between what they mean to us and what they mean to the consumer. Uh, which is a mistake we often make. We talk about concepts, I think. Tell me if I'm wrong. And we think that they mean a lot to everybody when in actual fact the person they mean something to is just us. So, yeah. Two minutes, I'll get out of the way. I think we, the, the problem is we talk a lot about uh, uh, the services and not a lot about the outcomes. Yeah. Um, and it's the outcomes that you're going to get people on because that's the, what's going to make them feel something. There you go. Just on no. your main page. Just go through. Not one. None of them. Hello. Star of the class. Does, it, does yours say Aero 404? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, is it bad if you don't know where your website is? Yeah. <laughs> How many people basically identified they've got everything? Okay, that's good. How many people had at least... Put your hand up if you had one. Okay. Leave it up if you have two, three, four. Keep it up if you've got more than four. More than five. More than six. Okay, so most people are around the four, five, or six mark. So should we unpack a few of them? Let's do it. Let's talk about this one. <laughs> How many people had wealth? Okay, of course, right? We talk about wealth creation. We talk about, you know, your partner in wealth, helping you make the journey to wealth. Generate talk, wealth. Generate wealth. I talk about the wealth pyramid. Why is wealth not the greatest word to use when you're talking about what you do? Well, I've got two reasons why. I think it's a two-tier, totally separate reasons. But um, the first thing is the everyone's idea of wealth is different. So, <laughs> you know, people always say to me, "How wealthy do you want to be, or how, how rich do you want to be?" And I and my answer is, I just want to be, uh, I just want to earn enough money to never have a flatmate and live by the water. Like that's it. I don't care if it's a hut, as long as no one has to live for me. <laughs> like I don't have a flatmate and it's near the water, right? Someone else might say, 
I want a four bedroom house with a garage and a pool and a blah, 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 blah. Someone else might say, I just want to be able to travel and surf and work from wherever I want. Everyone's got a different idea of uh, how, what what they need to, um, which I will use as a, as a different, I'm going to give it away now, but a different uh, term for generate wealth, which would be fund your ideal lifestyle. Everyone's got a different idea of what wealth is. The second thing is the world, the word wealth actually has some negative connotations attached to it as well. So from a linguistic point, pure linguistic point of view and, um, and like a, if I was going to go down the cultural and social analysis, um, path too, um, the word wealth actually for people that aren't wealthy and they haven't come from wealth and they're really nowhere near that don't look at that as necessarily something nice. They associate it with people and a class structure that they were never had access to. Perhaps they don't even want to have access to it. Perhaps there, there is so much psychological meaning behind that word wealth that isn't positive, um, yet we use it a lot because we think everyone wants to be wealthy. Um, and then what it does is actually lock out anyone that isn't. <laughs> so... And that, that's a shame because there's a lot of people that are sitting underneath that point that go, oh, advice isn't for me because it's you're always using the word wealth and I'm not wealthy. They're my, they're my problems with the word wealth. By the way, don't feel that, yeah, if you've got it on your website, this yeah, is no, like, you're terrible. And what this no, is about is also recognizing meaning. that, you know that door we spoke about that's open and it's closing? This is about if you want to step through and change the frame a little bit, You'd be doing something that probably ninety five percent of businesses out there are not not never mind they're not going to do they're never going to do it. Mm. I, yeah, like I said, it's not that these words are wrong. Um, I'm, uh, it's just unpacking the um, unpacking I guess the the stereotype words we gen we we generally go to and what we could do as a uh, as an alternative. It's the writer of ZA Wealth Creation. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So, if the word wealth has negative connotations, what's an alternative word that would mean the same thing but in a positive light so yeah so that that can't that for me uh comes back uh to what is the outcome of wealth um and that freedom uh alleviating financial anxiety um choice choice, lifestyle options options, fund your ideal lifestyle Uh, for families it's always you know um having enough for your children, um, leaving a legacy. Think about the outcomes um, rather than uh, rather than the, the thing itself, um, because that's why people want to be wealthy. And then focus on on those things. It doesn't necessarily have to be one word, but you can use phrases that will help people feel something. And then once they feel something, they're engaged. Love it. Can we talk about time? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because I think this is one of the things to talk about. So mm. Retirement's one of those words. Yeah. Mm. Why? Why? Who had retirement? Never thought. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 I,
And every time he brings up the word retire, she goes, oh, uh, you know, I'm not ready. She doesn't have positive views of that because she's like, I still have life in me. I still, I've still got my practice. I've, you know, um, she loves the, the freedom that it might bring, but to her, the connotation is, oh, my life might be going. Yeah. So there is that negative connotation to retirement. The other thing is you put that on your website and then anyone who's nowhere near retiring doesn't give a hoot. <laughs> so, you know, people always, uh, always talk to me about, you know, saving for my retirement and I'm like, oh, I'll be dead by then. Like you don't, you know, like I never think about that now because I'm 31 and I'm going to be working for, you know, the next probably 30 years. So at least. So, um, so you put a lot of focus on that on your website and you're not going to be uh, targeting any of the uh, of the next generation coming in and we're about to have a huge generational wealth transfer. Um, so you, you don't want to kick them out. What about for boomers? Because I've read a bit that the boomers are actually do not want to talk about health. They do not want to talk about the even possibility that they might be getting older. Oh, totally. Don't talk to me about it. What do you do with a, someone like that? How do you talk about retirement? I think you've got to, um, you've got to um, what's the word, um, repurpose it as freedom uh, and possibly adventure, new adventure. Um, uh, and retirement isn't stopping work. And, and if, you, if you go straight away, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to do this t- you know, transition to retirement where you stop working. This is when you're going to have to start getting the Centrelink pension. And you say the word pension or whatever, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, or whatever, and you have this much amount of money, but it's only going to get you to this point. And if you're still alive at that point, like, like all of this stuff is awful, right? But that, like, but that's basically what that is, yeah. Um, instead, if you're like, right, well, uh, are there, is there anything you wanted to do, but you haven't been able to do because you're working? Um, plan your future. Uh, ins- ensure ensure a adventurous and, and fun and lifestyle. While you're, when you're, when you're, I, I suppose, oh, I really don't like the word transitioning, uh, cause I feel like that has also has connotations that we're starting to go down. But, you know, when, when you're starting to wind, maybe wind down. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. to first class. Ski. What is that? Yeah. Go skiing. Go, go skiing. Spend the kids' inheritance. Lifestyle. That's it. Does anyone watch Grace and Frankie in here? No? Yeah. Like there's two 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 women who are seventy who were retired that go back into business, right? It's the it's the next adventure. So maybe that's the way you know that's the way it's got to be like the next adventure. Okay. I repurposed something I found online. Um, I think put up by the Wall Street Journal called Unretirement. Oh, beautiful! And um, it just talked about people wanting to connect with the world of work mm. after they'd retired, and it just got an enormous audience of people that I didn't think I'd ever attract so it was just interesting yeah well there you go that's it I think people associate retirement with not being useful anymore um that's the biggest thing uh like I like I said about my mom the reason she doesn't want to stop working is she's a doctor and she would be like well I'm not helping anyone anymore um so if you can it's not even about the marketing at that point it's actually about when you're engaging with your clients um really making sure that, and that's part of your marketing, your face-to-face marketing, um, that when you're talking about that stuff that you're not making them feel like they're being wound down into, <laughs> into the next bit. And that should be reflected on your website as well. So I tend to think about retirement as just slowly replacing in my life the things I, li- I, I don't want to do yeah. with lots of things that I no, do want to do. It. And Freedom of choice. It's almost like a, yeah, a replacement, a replacement. Yeah, that's it. 
Going on holidays, cruises, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you know. Um, are there any others that you want to sort of focus on? You, free, meeting. free meeting. Interesting. Um, I've actually just gone through something really similar to this myself. Uh, so we we just launched a uh, Midwinter's just launched a, a cybersecurity business, uh, which does yeah Camino, which does um cybersecurity for financial advisors and accountants. And uh, I had to. Um, go, go through the whole product offering and, and the same thing, how am I going to market this um, in a way that's going to make advisors or, you know, accountants and superannuation funds feel like there's no obligation in the first meeting. And I don't like the free meeting because there's value in that meeting and and you deserve to be paid for that meeting. And if you respect yourself and show the client that you respect that hour of your time, uh, then they will respect your services. So I've I've got that's my opinion. It's not necessarily the yes or no. Um, but usually I would say something like maybe a fifteen minute free chat on the phone. But I wouldn't use the word free. I just don't use the word free. Just say you want to do you want to call up and have a chat. If they end up not being a tire kicker, don't book them in for the meeting. But just say the meeting's going to cost this. People also just change the phrase. So you use fox in the hair. They say book a coffee. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so. book a coffee. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, like we, and I'm the same. Like, we were, were we going to offer a free consultation? Well, no. By the time you, you're doing an hour of your time, I think it, it's my opinion that you don't need to offer it for free um, because you're worth that. But if you want to do like a 15 minute or half an hour phone chat or whatever suits you best, if you're not really into tech, you might not do a Skype or a phone chat. You might just want to do them face to face, and that's fine. It's, it's not yeah. free either. It takes an hour. Yeah. And we live in a we live in a society where time is actually a, one of the most Valuable resources. That's it. So. Yeah. So it's an hour of your time. Uh, I'm gonna come to. I'm gonna ask a peace of mind. Is this about this or is this a quick back? Yep. That 15 minute call. It's, yeah. Isn't it almost your tie kicking them as opposed to them tie kicking you? Go into it like Simon Cowell. You ever see Kyle, so when people come on stage at an Australian audience and go, "Hi, how are you? Come on in, have a coffee." He's like, "So, what can you do?" And I think if you're a bit more Simon Cowell uh, than Delta Goodrum, an Australian Idol. Uh, it's about the client actually saying, are you, are you serious? Have you got a problem? Are you the kind of person I work with? Are you aware? Are you motivated? Because if you are, I will tell you exactly what your issues are and I will get, invite you to sit down with me and spend some time to create a plan. But if after the conversation I get a sense that you don't, you're, you're tire kicking, there's no motivation, this is a nice to have, you don't really have any problems or if you do, you're not aware, then I'll ask, so just tell me understand, what exactly do you need from someone like me? Because it doesn't sound like there's anything specific. And that the power of turning around and saying, it doesn't, doesn't sound like you need anything from someone like me. You'll put people on the back foot and they'll be like, oh, I thought you were going to try and sell me a first appointment. Mm. Dif- different, different engagements. Does that make sense? And there's, uh, there's a way if you want to, I mean, just from a marketing point of view, if you, if you want to get the information or capture that information from what that first meeting would be without you having to do it, you can always offer like a, a, an online survey or something that rec- that's automated from you, scalable, doesn't take any of your time. It's almost like a fact fine, but I wouldn't say that. Just, just you know, uh, an emotional questions. Um, how many times a day do you think about money? Um, does my, does money keep you up at night? Uh, do you have, then you can move into things like, do you have insurance? Uh, do you think you need to look at your insurance? Before you've even spoken to them, you know what these people have, what they're looking for, and what they don't want. And then you can move from that. But doing a one hour of your free time. Yeah. Eh. Good question is, how was your parents' relationship with money? That's always a really interesting Yeah, one. oh, so true. Did you talk about money growing up? Or was yeah. It, yeah. 
I watched Sarah Jessica Parker get interviewed for Carpool Karaoke. No, it was ca- cars in, comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah. If you had a chat with Jerry Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld. And she just turned around and looked him straight in the eye and went, did your parents hug you a lot? Did you play music a lot? And she asked these three questions. I was just like, wow. And Jerry Seinfeld was taken away because she just, she went straight to the core. And I, at that moment, I realized why that song, Jesse Paints a Picture, why it was written, because she's obviously a very magnetic personality, but gets the heart of people. Anyway, there was a point to that. Yeah, uh, ask the emotional questions first, and then they'll, yeah. they'll give the other information quite easily. Uh, is there anybody else that wants any other? Should we just go straight for peace of mind, and then we might call it quits, if that's yeah, cool? Yeah, sure. Peace of mind. <laughs> Which peace would you like? Why is peace of mind not a great phrase to use? Uh, the first is the most obvious, that it's completely overused, I think. And it's very vague. Is peace of mind could just be, oh, so and so is picking my kids up from childcare today. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, peace of mind is anything. Got you it. have, you actually have to be more specific. And and it, and it sounds very 1990s TV ad during the day about maybe a cleaning product like you know it's a peace of mind like you know like uh you want you we're trying to break out of uh, a stereotypical norms people have seen that and seen it 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 you need to be more specific it means nothing plus the gun lobby in the u.s used it a lot yeah yeah there you go there's a there's a good enough reason not to um I like I, if people like the idea of peace of mind. I always, um, I always offer an alternative, uh, alleviate financial anxiety. If, um, if, if they're really on that side, like if it's about debt reduction and stuff like that. Uh, fact find and yeah. wealth profile. I hate both. Yeah. How do you make it more friendly so people actually want to provide the information as opposed to it sounding so dry? Tell me about you. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about you. And then for wealth profile, uh, are you talking about basically what they've got? Yeah, so it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then yeah, perhaps, you know, tell me, tell me a bit about your, your financial history. Uh, even that's a bit dry. Tell me about you. Stuff we'd like to know that's so we it. can help you best. That's it. Better than, better than I could no, have said it. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> cool. What, Mike, I like this bit at the end when I start running around. You wrote down unretirement like it was going out of fashion. This is, I'm just going to throw this in, maybe off topic, but at the beginning, I think either Stu or Naomi said something about the younger, there's a new generation of investors who are doing things, not doing things the right way or something. I just wanted to try to see what what someone meant by that. I wasn't quite clear. A new group of investors that weren't... Who weren't doing things the right way. There was something... On social media? Something in a negative way. On social media? You just... Yeah, habits. Or I just seemed like there was a. I just was curious. I didn't quite understand the reference there. Oh, it was about positive message around managing money. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, positive positive message about managing money. Yeah. Um, heaps of, you were saying there's heaps of negative messages about. Ah. Yeah, that's it. So there's heaps. Of, okay, so uh, uh, no one in the rooms from Afterpay, <laughs> but I'm going to bring uh, Afterpay up. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, Afterpay is doing a really great job at marketing debt to young people literally the best marketing i've ever seen for for ripping money off people like and their share price is through the roof so they are going gangbusters um selling a net like something really negative through a positive message it's it's lay by with instant gratification Yeah, uh, they're learning poor habits. 
Yeah. So what? So what I was saying is, we financial advice, uh, financial literacy, good habits. Never has been the time and now to teach people good habits because everyone's living off debt. Uh, just what's the difference between a brand and you? Because people tend to buy you as an individual, yeah. but you're selling your brand. So mine's Millhaven, yeah. But yeah. I often find that they're buying me. And I think Gary Venichuk says it. He goes on about you are, you, you are you, the brand. You are the brand. 100%. Are, and people have to be a fan of you. Yes. And then they will follow your brand. 100%. I am so, the snowflake. Yeah. Yeah. So, also, <laughs> so you know, all the branding, I think, is fantastic. But yeah. you, you've got to be... You know all the things you're meant to do. Yeah, and and if and yeah, and 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 people can pick up immediately if you're not being you, and that is the most unattractive trait. Hey, like you know when you can tell someone's being fake, and straight away you're like, ugh. So be yourself. You don't have to share everything to be yourself. Um, but yeah, you are the brand, one hundred percent. I I think there's so it's the language Mm. and how we communicate things in a way that resonate to our audience or the people we want to work with make it relatable make it emotional yeah um, I know we response. don't talk about feelings but yeah it's no, all it's about good. feelings in the end <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much guys <laughs> so there you have it I told you it would be good didn't I yeah I one of my favorite sessions uh, that one uh, it's interesting I didn't want to mention it before but um, Naomi uh, is not or at the time didn't feel like she was a natural speaker and as you can see I, I thought she came off there and absolutely nailed it so uh, if you could do me a favor and uh, jump and find her on uh, social media Naomi Christopher and just let her know how awesome you thought her presentation I think uh, I think you'd give her yeah the due credit for which she's uh, earned uh, that's it from me this episode of uh, the Finnovator is done and dusted As always, uh, if you love it, do me a favor, go and leave a review. Um, I'd love it on Apple iTunes, but if you're a Spotify or a Podbean person or wherever you get it from, you can pop it there. Uh, Written reviews are really what make uh, people uh, stand up and take notice. So if you've got the time, just give us a five star and pop the review in there. You'll do me a a real, real favor. Other than that, if there's anybody you think I should talk to, is there anyone you'd like to introduce? Or alternatively, if you're listening to this and going, you know, I've got a story, I've got something I want to share. Uh, shoot me an email because um, I'm told and I agree with it that the quality of these things is down to the quality of the conversations and the quality of the conversations has got a lot to do with the quality of the guests that's it for me Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this one keep your eye out for the next one but in the meantime have an awesome week and I'll speak to you soon